Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. All-fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! When you hear the sound of the drum, we'll be saying, here we come. Yeah, here we come. Hey, here we come. Uh, Check our house, man. We're going to kick it in both. and you're missing out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Coming at you today for episode number 92. The Houston Texans come to town this week to take on our beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Winners of their last five out of six and four in a row as well. Some playoff implications in this game, not necessarily for the Bucs, as we know they were mathematically eliminated a few weeks ago. But for the Texans, if they win this game, they will clinch the AFC South. So with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing some pretty damn good football these past few weeks, you hope they can step up and tarnish those playoff expectations, at least for right now, to put the Texans back down to six losses on the season. But welcome back to the show. If you're new around here, I am your host, Red Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan Wanish. And Evan, this cold, man, I don't know if it's the time of year. I, I know that we had this cold front sweep through Tampa, but I hope I don't sound too bad. How are you doing up there? Any uh, any allergies sneaking up on you this time of year? Uh, No, but what is it in Tampa right now? Like 50s? Uh, like 58, 59, I think. The high here, I believe, was like 19. So nice. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cold here. So gotta love it, gotta love it. But uh, yeah, it's been a pretty interesting time here in Tampa Bay. Not only because the Bucks are playing good football, uh, but just because of the weather. And it's like always this time of year. It always gets me. Like I always get that little cold. 
<laughs> and it just oh, it sneaks up on you, man, and I cannot stand it. I, I really can't. But let's open up the show. Let's talk about some Buccaneer news that happened this week. First and foremost, the Pro Bowl rosters were announced for the NFC and AFC teams in the Pro Bowl this year. And we talked about it on the Monday show. I opened it up. I said, Pro Bowl rosters come out tomorrow. Are you ready to be pissed off for another year in a row? And, uh, you know, we kind of joked about it. And then you said, I have three players who are probably going to get on the Pro Bowl team this year. And we guessed them correctly. Those players are Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Shaquille Barrett. So congratulations to those three bucks for being named to the Pro Bowl. But again, to bring up the topic, like... Just a popularity contest at the end of the day, because of course Levante David, the guy who was coincidentally left out, I guess. I don't know, man. I, I just, you know, you yell about the same thing every single year, and you hope that you don't sound annoying after so long. But when is the NFL really going to stop pretending not to notice a guy like Levante David? And yeah, it's because he plays for Tampa, this and that, this and that. But Luke Keekley was named to the Pro Bowl. And if you put their stats side by side, I'm going to argue and die on the hill that Levante David is a better linebacker than Luke Keekley. Maybe even throw Bobby Wagner in that discussion. But what are your thoughts on uh, just how everything has transpired, I guess, with the Pro Bowl? We shouldn't care, but but we do. <laughs> yeah, so basically, congratulations, like you said, to the three Buccaneers that made it. Like I, I thought it was pretty much expected, um, but still, congratulations. So, like, I feel like a lot of these smaller market teams have this issue where there's probably, and there's a player that probably we're not even talking about right now on, like, uh, you know, the Detroit Lions or right. the Jacksonville Jaguars or, you know, Maybe the Maybe even the Titans. Dolphins, a team who didn't have anybody named in the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, there are just, there's some probably fan bases that are going, oh, this guy didn't make it. But the difference is it seems like Levante David almost every year he doesn't I'm not saying he gets better, but he stays consistently really good. Right? Like right. I'm not he doesn't like have like a down year and then jump out with a career year. Like he doesn't do that, but he just stays consistent and his numbers are pretty much the same almost every single season. Right. And he made the Pro Bowl, I believe, once he's made it. Uh so I definitely think that number should be higher, right? This is what his eighth or ninth season in the league, and he's only made the Pro Bowl once. He definitely deserves uh, to get more Pro Bowl votes, votes. But like you said, it's not going to matter in, until, like, and it really doesn't matter, but it's not going to matter really until they get away from, like, that fan voting. Because, like I said, there are probably a bunch of guys in a bunch of different positions that aren't, like, quarterback, wide receiver, stuff like that, that deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. Notably, offensive linemen, linebackers, stuff like that, on just you know other teams that don't get noticed. There was a and, uh, there was actually a statistic that came out the other day. It was uh, Pouncey, the center for Pittsburgh. He was named to the Pro Bowl this year, and there are 36 NFL centers graded higher than him. There's only 32 NFL teams. So I mean, if that doesn't prove that it kind of boils down to a popularity contest, who gets the popular vote, this and that then I don't know mm -hmm. what else will. But uh, again, it's the same case every single year with Levante David and a couple of other Buccaneers players that come in, have really... Ali Marpet, I think, is one name. Yeah, that's true as well. Ali Marpet has really shown he's one of the best guards in the NFL this season, top five without a doubt. And one thing I want to say, though, because people ask me about this, when I when I put on that, you know, those three players made the Pro Bowl, 
I got a lot, you know, oh, no Levante David. I was like, no, no Ali Morpet, no. And for one, I think Levante David and Ali Morpet are probably the only two that, like, got snubbed. I think those are the only ones that probably deserved it, besides yeah, maybe, the three that did. Maybe Matt Gay, but... <clears throat> I know, I don't think so. Yeah, he's had his but bad the, the, games, the no kickers, you only, you only bring one or two kickers from each side of the Pro Bowl, so... Like, I mean, he would have had to have been really, really good. That's true. Um, so... The question I got was, no Jameis Winston. And the thing here is that the perception around, while I think Winston's having a decent season, it's still a roller coaster. And a guy with 24, the guy that is leading the league in interceptions, fans are not going to vote. Right. They're not going to vote it out. Uh, now, I think it would be fun because he just tossed the ball all around the yard, um, wherever he wanted to. Uh <laughs> So, like, entertainment value, I feel like that'd be pretty entertaining. But from a voting standpoint, they're not going to do that just because they look at a guy who, yeah, is leading the league in passing yards and is second in touchdown passes, but he's also leading the league in interceptions, and that's what they see. So a lot of people say, oh, why didn't James Winston make it? The perception around him is that he's horrible, right? Now, yeah. I mean, a lot of people in Tampa, I don't think a lot of – Many people are saying, oh, this guy is a Pro Bowl snub. But I just think some people are wondering, you know, and I've only seen this a few places. I just got a few questions about it. That's why I'm bringing it up. Just wondering, you know, like what, like James Winston's leading in all these categories. Yeah, but he's also leading in the bad one. Yeah. If, if Winston had, you know, somewhere around 17, 16 interceptions right now, I think you can make a case for him in the Pro Bowl. If he had those numbers right now, I would say he'd probably be snubbed. Absolutely. If, if he had those numbers and the Bucks had one or two more wins and were really in the playoff hunt, then I could say he'd snub. But right now, just I don't think it's it's fair. I, Jameis Winston did not deserve to make the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, and I mean I agree with you one hundred percent. That's kind of why I didn't bring his name up in the topic of you know the last episode opening up this week. Um, I just don't see that case being made. Yes, he is having a great year statistics with you know the touchdowns thrown and the passes leading the NFL. But, again, he's leading in bad stats as well. So, while he is the best of both worlds right now, I just don't look at those numbers and immediately think Pro Bowl. So, I can agree with you. I wasn't expecting Jameis to really make a case for the Pro Bowl this year either. And it is what it is. At the end of the day, we have three Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Pro Bowl, which is exactly... And it doesn't matter. You're it not, doesn't, you're not, doesn't you're not matter. Getting a, you're not getting a trophy. The Baltimore Ravens, who have 12 players, they're not getting a trophy that says they, they got 12 players. They're not getting extra money on their salary cap. It, they're not getting an extra draft pick. It, it does not matter. <laughs> Evan, you summed it up perfectly. At the end of the day, it does not matter. But again, we sometimes care about these things when it involves our beloved Pewter Pirates. But let's get into another bit of news coming out of this week. As we mentioned before, the Buccaneers play the Houston Texans, and uh, I'm sure we all know one particular cornerback who plays for the Houston Texans who goes by the name of Vernon Hargraves III. Now, this is an interesting game because the Buccaneers had a lot of games against former Bucks this year. Adam Humphreys had a, uh, a, a quote-unquote revenge game. Gerald McCoy had two of them. And now... Quan Alexander? Quan Alexander, don't forget that. He got ejected week one. And now Vernon Hargraves III, after being cut mid-season, not even a little over a month ago, he is now on a playoff pace team talking about playing the Bucks this week. And while we can sit here and drag on VH3 like we did for a long time because he wasn't that great of an asset in the Bucks secondary, let's be honest here, 
but I do have to commend him for something that came out this week. I saw the video on Twitter, and it is, I think it's like a post-practice interview. He's got the step and repeat behind him, reporters everywhere. They are asking him about the game this week in Tampa. Now, I have my opinions on it. Evan, I'm sure you've seen the video, right? Or at least kind of gotten wind of what was said. We have the audio for you guys here. We're going to play the audio. It's about a minute and 45 seconds long. I'll let you draw your own conclusions, and when we come back, we're going to talk about it. But here is the audio. Former Tampa Bay Buccaneer Vernon Hargraves III being interviewed by Houston Media regarding the game this week. Take a listen. What do you expect this to be like, uh, go back there when you played most of your career? Uh, man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to go back and play against those guys, and um, you know, I'm excited to compete, and it's going to be a good time. What did they tell you when they told you they were cutting you, and who told you from the Bucks? Uh, it was just a normal conversation. Uh, I met with the GM, and uh, you know, he released me. But, Jason. Uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't a big controversy. You know, things happen quick, and it's nothing that I'm harping on. Nothing that I don't have no ill will towards anybody over there. That's sure. not that's not the type of person I am. But uh, I am excited to go play uh, against my teammates, my former teammates, and uh, you know, it's gonna be fun to compete against them. Is there a little extra just when you play your team, and you know? Like you said, no hard feelings, but still show them that they're missing out on something? Uh, you know, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'm just going to play my game. I'm going to have fun. You know, we're going to be talking crap to each other. It's going to be a great time. Like I said, I'm excited. You know, I've been texting. They've been texting me. And, um, you know, I'm excited to get back down there. And, uh, you know, Saturday is going to be fun. What is the general temperature of the text? What was that? What's the general temperature of the text? It's, it's just between the DBs, you know, in the DB room. You know, we're going to go out there and they're going to come at me, et cetera, et cetera. Those are my best friends, though. Um, so, you know, that that's that's just what comes with it. And, uh, you know, I love those guys. And uh, I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited to play. And uh, there's no ill will. There's no uh, – I'm not that type of person. There's not no revenge game, none of that. That doesn't exist. Um, it's just football. Um, it's going to be fun to play against them, like I said. And uh, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. But you noticed when you came here this date right away on the schedule, did you not? Oh, of course. Of course. You know I did. I had to. Is it? And you'll acknowledge it's not just another game. Um. Uh, you know, not, it's not just another game for us because we can we can clinch the AFC South. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's not an easy game either. You have to play against you know one of the best quarterbacks. Right. What's that going to be like? He can light it up. He can light it up. Um, that's I've always known that playing with him for you know he, he's he's dynamic. He can throw the ball. They're gonna throw the ball all over the field. And uh, you know we got to do a good job in the secondary to slow him down. You know uh, he turns the ball over. Uh, that's no secret. So hopefully we can get our hands on some balls and. Um, you know, like I said, hopefully we can come out the win. Can you help this? So that's all the audio I'm going to play for you there. little two-minute clip. But the first thing that I noticed when I watched the video on Twitter was, dude, these reporters are baiting him so hard to say one negative thing about Tampa Bay. I mm-hmm. mean, are, are they not? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I know, know it's a journalistic nature. It, you want to get a response. I mean, it's their job. It's their job. But there's a line, and I think these yeah. guys were almost unprofessional with it. Like, it, it was ah, it was just after him saying three separate times, you know, no ill will towards those guys. It's just another, just another game. game. We're yeah. going out there, getting ready to play, and they continue to ask him those questions. And again, and they're, just, they're trying to create a storyline. You know, that's that's what journalists try to do. They, they try to create a game storyline. So, you know, obviously, if you get to pick in the game, they can say how it's Vernon Hargreaves' revenge, even though he never said that. And right. They're trying to create something that's not really there. So, I mean, great job by Hargraves, though. I, he's always been a real professional with the media. It's never That's never been an issue. Yeah, you have um, to commend him in that situation because, again, it is a weird situation for a guy who spent his whole career in Tampa 
to now, you know, four weeks later being on the other side of the fence, being asked about this team, who I'm sure, let's be honest, I'm sure there are some feelings there. He's not going to convey that to the media, but you yeah. have to commend Vernon no, I'm, Hargrave. I'm sure he's not He's not too happy about them. You right. know, you, you wouldn't be too happy right now if your job called you and said, hey, you're out, you know? Yeah. No so, doubt. I mean, there's definitely, that's with any player. I mean, and that's on the Buck side, too. Carl Nassib against the Browns last year. Jason Pierre-Paul against the Giants. Like, if anybody lets go of you for any reason at any job, you're not going to feel good about it. I mean, unless you quit, which obviously Vernon Hargreaves didn't quit. So, like, you, you don't want to – like, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, he probably wanted to get out of here. A, a player doesn't want – like, a player doesn't want to move their family and stuff. Right. And especially a guy like Hargreaves who went to school in Florida, uh, you know – Tampa. He was just, Went to he, was a, he was a, he was a, and then he goes to Florida, University of Florida. Yep. He's been in Florida his whole life. You really think he wanted to get cut? No, but it is what it is. He's got to understand it's a business and that's exactly how he handled that interview. So, uh, it, like you said, it is crazy that, you know, about four or five weeks ago, he was playing in the same, in the same stadium that he's going to be playing on Saturday, but just for the other team. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy landscape the NFL is, but just wanted to show you guys that if you haven't seen it already, because I've also seen it upstorm of people sharing that clip where he talks about Jameis and says, you know, it's no secret that he turns the ball over, and people are pissed. People are fueling that, you know, six-second clip as, oh, look at Vernon Hargraves over here talking trash about our quarterback, when one, yeah, what he stated wasn't untrue, and two... You listen to the whole audio and you hear just how much those interviewers were baiting him into getting a quote. I mean, I, I don't have any ill will towards the guy. I, I think he did a good job. I just wanted to point that out. And, you know, here at CFP, we like to give you guys the full story. So, there I mean, is. what do you think all other, all other defenders think? Yeah. Like, all I, other defenders are going to say, yeah. Like, the, the defensive coordinator for the other team is going to say, this guy is going to give you chances to pick the ball off. He yeah. is. It's a fact. It's it's not a, yeah, okay, it is kind of a shot, but it's also it's how he's played. It's not like if Jameis Winston had four interceptions this whole season and Vern Hargreaves comes out and says that, then it's maybe a little something different. But yeah. the dude leads the league in interceptions, and Vern Hargreaves has been here for, you know, it was James's second season when they drafted Hargreaves. Hargis has been with Winston almost his whole career, so he knows him. Yeah, he knows him enough to to go out there and again say a fact, which is is what we just said. But uh, and he he spent more time with Jameis than any any of those other Houston Texans players have because he spent the whole entire OTA, the whole entire training camp, four four years worth. So he trust me, he knows. Oh yeah, he definitely has that inside perspective on Tampa Bay, which is something to take in a note when talking about this matchup. But let's transition to the game on Sunday. We talked about some of the big Buccaneer headlines this week. Let's talk about the game that is happening this Saturday, not Sunday. Yep. This Saturday in Raymond James w- 1 Stadium. 1 p.m., right? Yeah, it's a uh, 1 p.m. kickoff. I will be in a car on the road, so I'll have to watch it on my phone all hunkered over and my neck will hurt, but it'll be worth it. Very interesting matchup we have is, again, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 7-7, seven and seven, take on the Houston Texans, who, if they win Saturday they will clinch the AFC South. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We know the situation the Bucks are in. They've won four in a row. They're looking good. And uh, last week against Detroit, they lost Chris Godwin and they lost Scotty Miller for the rest of the season. 
Chris Godwin was officially ruled out of the game today. We kind of knew that was coming, um, and I don't think he's going to be ready to go by the last game. At this point, there's no reason to rush him. Mm. But I look at this game, and I just think this is a game I see the Bucks getting outpaced. I think they could hang for him for a little while. But I think truly and honestly, unless the defense goes out and has a blockbuster day, which we'll talk about on the weekly checklist, by the way. That's still coming up at the end of the show. I just, I don't see a lot of scenarios where the Buccaneers win this game unless it really comes down to the wire. But I want to toss it to you, Evan. What are you looking at the most in this matchup? Because, I mean, I'm looking at the Texans' offense, of course. They've got a ton of weapons. But what are you looking at the most, and what should Bucks fans be paying attention to this Saturday? Well, I'm looking at two things, and they're both on the Bucks' defensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm looking at the Bucks' corners because these two receiving r- receivers uh, are probably the best two that they've faced since Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. But Julio Jones was hurt that game, so it was in and out, really. And- DeAndre Hopkins is arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Will Fuller is also a very good receiver. And don't forget, they've got Kenny Stills as well. Uh, he's just he's about, a solid yeah, piece. Just about to mention that. He had two touchdowns last week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got weapons. And this is going to be a big, like a lot of people said, oh, the secondary has been playing better. This is going to be a big measuring stick for the secondary. The other thing I'm looking at, Texans offensive line still struggles. So the defensive line is going to have to step up for the for the Bucks to have any chance to win. They're going to have to step up. They're going to have to play well. If Deshaun Watson has all day, and Deshaun Watson can scramble a good bit too. Yeah, if he has than all David day. Blau. Let's let's remember that better than David Blau. <laughs> and, and David, David Blau got away from us six or seven times. Um. So if they can't get pressure on him and let him sit in the pocket, let him roll out, and it's going to be a long day. And, and it's not going to be pretty. And what's going to happen is the Texans are going to go up 10 nothing, 14 nothing. And unlike the Colts game, the Buccaneers just won't have the weapons to get back into it. They don't have the offensive firepower. They're, they're really going to have to win this game by, you know, and I'll, I'll go over this in the checklist, but they're going to have to win this game by playing clean football. And, you know, I just don't see it as likely. Um, we'll get into predictions a little bit later, but yeah, the, the two things I'm looking for the most is probably on the defense because I think the offense is going to really kind of be a boring conservative type day. Yeah. Um, but this, this defense is going to be, is going to have to be what wins them the game because if the defense performs well, I think they got a good shot, but if the defense doesn't, I think they have no shot just because the offense isn't going to be able to put up 30 plus points. Absolutely. I'm I'm with you on that one, man. I, I just don't see a lot of scenarios where, like you said, the Buccaneers with the offense they have right now can go out and put 30-plus up. Like, yeah, they did it last week. They put up 21 points in the second half to close out the game. Seven of them were on defense. That was against the Detroit Lions. You know, that, that was missing. Sure, you were missing Chris Godwin and you're missing Mike Evans. But, again, I just I don't. And you know me, the eternal optimist. We've said it time and time again oh, here course. on the show. But I, we have to be realistic to a certain degree. And I think this game, I think the Buccaneers can give them a good competition. Again, uh, I'm, we kinda, you know, I'm, I'm shocked you didn't say this is going to be like a movie, like a movie storyline, you know, <laughs> where like they're all like, 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 just like they're, yeah, just like the replacements almost. Like yeah. they're all 
like they're playing a team of professionals and all these guys are guys on the street and they're going to come in and just play with heart and win. And yeah, I'm shocked you didn't say that. <laughs> no, man, I, I'm as realistic as they come when I need to be, but I do like to be optimistic about our football team when they play well. But again, it, you just look at this game and one of the key matchups that I'm looking at, you brought up as well. That's the defense and the defensive line in particular, because I think it's unfair to put all of the weight on the secondary to try and slow down DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, because you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. DeAndre Hopkins is going to get a touchdown. He might even get two, maybe even three. But it all comes together with the defensive line. If the defensive line can get in the backfield and disrupt Deshaun Watson as much as they possibly can... You know, with a game like this and an offensive line like the Texans, who is struggling the way that they are, I feel like you're almost expecting three-plus sacks. Like, that has to be on See, the I don't, agenda. I just don't know if they can get them. They just they don't seem to be able to do well against quarterbacks that can get away. Like, right. Gardner Minshew did a great job of that in the second half against in Jacksonville. Uh, David Blau did a great job of that the whole game. Brissett did a great job of that. Yeah. Like, they played Matt Ryan, who's not really going to scramble much. And they played Nick Foles and were able to get to both those guys. But other than that, I mean... They played Kyler Murray. And I know Kyler Murray had a good few runs. Again, he is a rookie, so it's hard to talk about him in that light. Um, but I'd say for the most part, he didn't run all over us. What yeah, he, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm not really talking about rushing yards, so I'm talking sacks. avoiding sacks, basically. Yeah. Avoiding the sack and throwing the ball in the dirt. Like, and Kyler like that, Murray that's what I'm was talking about. good at that as well. Let's not pretend that he wasn't. So I, I see what you're saying, and I think that's where the weight of this football game lies, is going to be that defensive line. So one would expect them to get in the backfield quite often, but once they get back there, can they capitalize on it is the age-old question, and we'll just have to wait until Saturday to see. I keep wanting to say Sunday. Like, my, yeah, my systematic thing says Sunday, and then I have to correct myself and say Saturday, and it's weird that we're talking about football on Saturday. It'll really be interesting. It's weird watching Bucks football and then having another day off afterwards. You know what I mean? That part is a little weird. But... Yeah, there's just a lot with this team that I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to sit here and sound all Debbie Downer either. The Buccaneers have played good football, let's say that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm confident while they won't be able to outpace the Houston Texans, I'm confident that we're going to see some positives from not only Jameis Winston, but the guys who are catching the ball. Earlier this week, he said, well, a report came out that he said in practice he walked up to Cam and OJ and said, you guys are getting the rock this week. If I have to interpret have that to. <laughs> if I have to interpret that as anything, it means his first interception on Saturday is going to be him throwing to one of those two guys. But aside from that, I would It'd be Cameron Bright. Yeah. Aside from that, I would expect Cameron Bright, OJ Howard, Justin Watson in particular. We know Brashad Perryman can maybe step up and take on that number one role, but I'm expecting a big day from those guys and not not three touchdowns like Brashad Perryman had, but something positive to build off of. So I feel more confident about this offense heading into the Atlanta game to close out the season. You, you know what I mean? Like, you, you follow me? Kind of like a, like, this is like a tune-up game? Yeah, why not? I expect these guys to show us something to where, you know, you can kind of hang your hat on it and be like, all right, I trust this guy a little bit more than I do right now. Because I, I like yeah. Brashad Perryman. I like the way that he has stepped up these past three or four weeks, but I don't trust him to be a number one receiver against the Texans yet. Yeah. 
I, I yeah, got Well, I mean, that. and a lot of people could say, well, he was the number one receiver against Detroit once Godwin went down. Sure, but Detroit wasn't game planning for that. And Godwin already had 121 yards. Uh, I mean, yeah. when he I mean, went down. You know, and, but like I said, Detroit wasn't game planning for Rashad Perryman to be a number one receiver. Correct. So, and I mean, really, once Godwin went down, the offense, uh, I, mean, they, I mean, they got the pick six, which is the defense. That's seven points. Then they got the touchdown at the end. I mean, they intercepted David Blau and, you know, was able to get a field goal out of it. So that's that's 10 points right there that the offense got. Yeah. yeah. And then the seven other seven points were the defense. So in the second half, the offense only put up 10 points, really seven points without Chris Godwin, and that was on a short field. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, but, but for the Buccaneers to be able to win, I think the biggest key is the running backs are going to have to play well. Yeah. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber are both going to have to play well, and the the game plan is going to have to be good. The game plan is going to have to be to get them involved early, but somehow keep it balanced. And Byron Leftwich, that's his job, to find a way to do that. Uh, and, and if they are able to do that, I think the offense could have a lot of success because Winston is really good off play action. You start working those play action seam routes with Cameron Ray and O.J. Howard. I think they'd be able to beat the Texans linebackers, and you have a lot of favorable matchups that way. Yeah. No, I, I like the way that you brought that up because I was actually going to transition into that. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, you want to see those guys get involved in the offensive game plan. And this is that week. We talk about spreading the offense, using what you're given, right? Making sure everybody gets their fair share of opportunity because sometimes people can make some things happen. I really want to expect to see Ronald Jones in the passing game this week. Like, I, I want to see three, four, five, six screens to Ronald Jones, but I want to see him get past the ball. You know what I mean? Like, I really just want to see him given that opportunity as a receiving back because I think he's a good receiving back. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw a bold prediction on Twitter this week. Somebody said Dario Gambuale is going to have the best game of the season. And maybe it's against his former team. That's true. But you also think about what I just brought up, getting these guys involved in the receiving game. I I'll agree with you and say that as much as I rag on number 44, he is our best receiving back on the team. He can, he, he's going to get in the game like a, yeah. a good bit. Like, yeah. yeah. So whether they go him or Ronald Jones in those situations, you want to see him get involved and at least do something to help win us the game. That's what Bruce Arians said a few weeks ago. But I would like to see Ronald Jones get involved. I would like this to be the game where, similar to Arizona, he has you know 70-plus receiving yards and maybe, on a good day, 70 rushing yards. You know, I think that's a good formula. I, I think if that happens, and you know, the biggest thing is, is Jameis Winston, can he protect the football? Yeah. And can he protect the—I think the biggest question is not can he protect the football— but can he protect the football enough, and can he protect at the right times? Fourth quarter, you can't have no mistakes. Yeah. Fourth, if the game is close, fourth quarter, you can't have no mistakes. I also the first and fourth quarter is what's going to make this game. James Winston goes out there and and throws you know two interceptions in the first quarter, and the Bucks are down fourteen nothing. Like I said, I don't think the Bucks have the horses right now to be able to come back from that, and I think this game will be over before the second half even begins. I'm not saying it's a blowout, but like I feel like fourteen. If the Texans get the double digits, that'll be enough. 
Like, like that'll like the Bucks aren't going to come back if it's down from double digits. Well, and that's how they beat the Pats. You know, they got up. What was it? One or two scores? For yeah, and, and the and the Patriots just couldn't do anything. Yeah, and again, the Bucks aren't the Pats. It's and and the Patriots Sunday. started to gain some momentum and ended up losing a close game. But had the Patriots started better, it would have been different. Right. It's all about how you start with this Houston Texans team, and we kind of brought up, we joked about it on the Monday show. They are a very bipolar team. So I, so I think it does really depend on what Texans team we're going to get, but you have to expect that these guys are going to come the, in wanting. To you're going to get their best. best. Yeah, it, they, they want to. They they got a chance to clinch the division. They realize that they lose this game and Tennessee wins, they're almost out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? They're, they're they're pushed they're, back to a wild card basically. So yeah. at that uh, point, they're they nine and six. Win. Yeah, they're going to come yeah, in. They, wanting to they play their have best to. Football. And I don't know who they have week seventeen, but. They they got to win this game, you know. They they don't want to have to go into week seventeen not knowing their fate, you know. So they're definitely going to go all out. And I, I thought it was a funny thing I saw on Twitter from uh, Chef Aaron. Um, he said, you know, it's funny that all those years the Titans fans were really bashing Jameis Winston, yeah. But now the Titans fans need Jameis Winston to beat the Texans. So it's it's just kind of weird how like the world just shifts like that a little bit, you know. <laughs> it's funny because I had a personal friend of mine who was a Titans fan, and I, I'll be honest with you, I feel like we all do. Like yeah, I have a, right? I have a few I have a few friends I have two friends that are Titans fans, like and yeah, like one of them is my real good buddy, and I feel like I don't know I feel like everybody knows a Titans fan. It may <laughs> it's be, weird. maybe, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really talk to the guy anymore. His name was Dan, and he was a Titans fan. He was a very fair-weather Titans fan. He wasn't a big sports guy. Like, you could just tell by talking to him that he really wasn't that big of a sports guy. Um, But we got on the topic of Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota one time. And this was a few years ago when the Titans had made the playoffs. Um, Oh, this was the worst. Yes, this was right after that season. And we talked about it, and he like he he told me he's like yeah he's like Jameis Winston isn't going to be a successful quarterback he's just a he's just a scum human being he's like Marcus Mariota has already led his team to the playoffs with no defense and this and that and I just believe that you know you look at these guys and you compare the two of them and I I do not see Jameis Winston having a good career and I'm like okay and then here we are. All these years uh, later, Winston. I don't know if you'd call Winston's career good, but Winston ain't riding the bench right than now. Marcus Mariota, I think. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, Winston ain't riding the bench right now, and yeah. you know it's different because, like I said, Ryan Griffin isn't Ryan Tannehill, so it's <laughs> it's a little bit of a different situation. But yeah, I think at least for this season, it has definitely put a rest to the Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston comparison because. You know, for a long time, everyone thought that those were going to follow those guys for the rest of their careers. And not to say that Marcus Mariota's career is over, but getting benched isn't a good look. I, I think he can be resurrected. I, I really do. I think do. he can, too. I think he can, I, too. I think with, with the right coaching staff, I just, you know, I look at Chicago, maybe. Um, there, there's a few other spots. Maybe Jacksonville. Just I, I, I see uh, there's just there's too much potential there. Right. Like I, I really, really like Mariota, and I just, I think Winston's better, but I just think there's still a lot of potential in Mariota. Um, now, I mean, the problem is though, a lot of you look back at the number one and number two pick. People are saying 
Winston is better than Mariota, they're not saying the Bucks got it right. Because if you want to be <laughs> honest, if you want to be honest, really neither team was made out like gangbusters. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you look back, number, but you look back at that draft, I mean, the top five was what? It was number one, Winston, two, Mariota, three was Dante Fowler, who's a solid player, but not worth the three, third overall pick. Um, four was Amari Cooper. Who's good, but I mean, not really worth it. I don't think five, I believe, was Brandon Scherf. I think. Yikes! And uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, like they're they're fine. And six is Leonard Williams. I mean, they're good. Like they're all good, but would you take them at number one? Uh, I don't really know. Well, so. and I think that's kind of a stigma that's going to follow Jameis for the rest of his career. Is that first overall hype? You know, I, I think what Jameis Winston, it comes with any first overall pick, though. Exactly. That's that's kind of the territory that he's in. So I think that comparison is going to be made all the time. Is was he worth the first overall pick? And yeah, next year if he throws twenty interceptions and leads the team to the playoffs, then people will still be debating that. But at the end of the day, you got to focus at what you have. And right now, we've got the NFL's passing yard leader, second place in touchdowns, and first place in interceptions. But ooh, ooh. Um, anyways, though, I was just looking at the 2015 draft class. Yeah. It, it's there's a lot of good players, but there's not a lot of great ones. So first round is James Winston, Amari Cooper, Brandon Scherf, Leonard Williams, and then the Bears drafted a bust with Kevin White, wide receiver. Then the Falcons drafted Vic Beasley, who's not that great. He had one good season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Brashad Perryman drafted in 2015? No. Okay. No, but Brashad Perryman was, uh, is a little bit older. Okay. I think he was 2014 or 2013, one of those two. All right. Uh, let me just confirm that because I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, you're right. Wow. I did not think. I thought Brashad, but you know why? Look at that. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. That's a, that's a W. Okay. Let's eat one. All right. Let, let's, let's calm down. Let's chill out. Um, <laughs> any, anyways, uh, the best player in the top 10 is probably Todd Gurley, who the Rams picked at 10. Other than that, though, like Melvin Gordon went 15. Marcus Peters went 18. Um, Byron Jones went 27. But then after that, you start getting to the second round. And, I mean, there's just – I mean, there's just not like the Neil Hunter, who is a fantastic football player for the Vikings defensive end, went in the third round. So he's probably like, obviously, you have a draft redo. You probably pick him almost number one. But I hate when people do that, like redraft. And I pick the guy who went in the fourth round at number one. No, right. Like, yeah. Do not, do not do that. Like hindsight like, is definitely always 2020. Yeah. Like, come on. Can you please, if you're going to do a redraft, can you pick somebody? Like, whenever I look at, like, who a team could have picked, I look at their pick, and I look at, like, the next four picks. If within the next four picks there's a player at a position of need, so, like, let's say the Bucks, you know, let's say they picked Kevin White, oh, right, God. at number one. Let's not. Let's not. Let's say that I'm just I'm – just, <laughs> Okay, just spitballing here. I know, man. Let, let's say, uh, let's say they pick Kevin White, and then obviously at number four, Amari Cooper went. It's the same position. I could be like, well, they should have picked so and so over so and so. But like Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, the next quarterback that was taken, like everyone wants to talk about that class. And this is the last thing. This isn't a a 2015 draft class podcast. <laughs> But I believe the next quarterback to be taken was in the fourth round. And I believe it was by the Saints. Uh, actually, no, it was the third round by the Rams. Sean Mannion, I believe, was the next quarterback. 
No, it was the Saints. It was third round. Third round. Garrett Grayson. Yeah. Oh, I actually liked, but he was the next quarterback. There wasn't a quarterback selected in the, in the second round or the rest of the first. It I was Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and then pick 88 or whatever with uh, Garrett Grayson. Like, crazy. That's crazy in the grand scheme of things when you really think about it. Yeah, but... Especially considering there might be four or five quarterbacks this year. So Yeah, no, definitely. So let's get back on topic for the game on this Saturday. Yeah, I, I wanna... really got sidetracked there. <laughs> I want to say one more thing that I'm looking at, and then we can jump into the weekly checklist, and then we got a little surprise for you guys at the end of the show. Um. I don't even think Evan knows what it is. I do not know what this is. So yeah, we'll it's, it's nothing you haven't heard before. Don't worry. Nothing crazy. But I need Matt Gay to make his kicks. I know last week he oh, had you're stealing, like That's like a tradition with me on the checklist. It, it has to be. I mean, <laughs> at this point, I'm looking at this game, and I think it would be unfair to assume that Matt Gay is not going to get a field goal kick maybe four or five times. Because I can see it. The Bucks' offense takes the field. Maybe yeah. they're in decent field position, get to a good point, and then they just stall out. You're going to need Matt Gay to make his kicks. Because, I mean, if he kicks, you know, five times, 15 points on the board right there. That makes all the difference in the world. And trust me, we know a thing or two about Buccaneers kickers leaving points on the board. So, uh, <clears throat> Matt Do you Gay want me to bring it up again? No, I don't. No, I really don't. <laughs> but Matt Gay, make your kicks, man. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, especially, like I said, in a game like this where every point is going to be valuable. Yeah. Missed one last week. It was a 54-yarder, though. Anything over 50, I'll sort of – I mean, it hit the post, too. Right. I wasn't super mad about it, but, again, like it was a different situation when he was lined up to kick last week. He could have put it away with the 54-yarder. That's Let's be fair there. Um, kept it within one score. But – I would like to see him be perfect this week because points are at a premium. He's going to get a lot of opportunities, and uh, you just want to see him make the most because he is having a really good year. Can't discount him on that either. I'm really a big fan of Mac A. Would you say he's been the Bucks' best rookie? I I feel like that's sort of a cop-out, but, I mean, he's a rookie. Yeah. And he's been good. And, I mean, Devin White's had a really good second half, but his first half was really quiet because of the injury. Yeah. Sean Murphy bunting in the first half, didn't get on the field much because of the injury. Jamel Dean. Not really because of an injury, just playing time. Jamel Dean had injury. I mean, Mike Edwards really hasn't played that much. I mean. Anthony Nelson's on IR, and then Buckner got cut. You can make a case. I mean, Scotty Miller has come on a little bit, but, I mean, first – part of the season he didn't really play much i mean is i think it's either devin white or matt gay to be honest with you i mean I, people I, are gonna pick devin white just because they don't want to pick a kicker but i can see the appeal there and, and you are right i think he's been the most consistent rookie that we've had uh, again because he hasn't really missed any time he's had his games you know i'm always gonna hold the giants game against him i think tampa Bay oh you actually are. brought it up i did i i did mm. we're not gonna spend a lot of time on it like he has his moments he's had his bad games atlanta was a bad game but other than those, he really has been the best kicker that we've had in quite some time. So uh, maybe. I think he definitely makes a case to be Buccaneers Rookie of the Year. But that's what I'm looking at as well. Going to want him to make his kicks on Saturday, keep the Buccaneers in this game, and take advantage of every opportunity that he is given inside Raymond James Stadium. 
Every single week here on CFP for our game preview show, we do a thing called the weekly checklist. And what it is, it is a couple of bullet points of things that the Buccaneers are going to have to do if they want to win this week's game. This week it is the Houston Texans edition. So let's jump right into it. First thing on my weekly checklist, big day for the defense. They are going to have to slow down Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, um, Kenny Stills. They're going to have to slow those guys down any way they can. And kind of like we said earlier on the show, it's unfair to put it on the secondary. I just don't think this young secondary is going to keep up with that core. I really don't. Uh, maybe you'll get some impressive pass breakup. And but that's fair. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation to say that these guys are not going to be able to hang with DeAndre Hopkins. But that's where the weight falls onto the defensive line. We're going to need those guys to step up and have a huge, huge day. And Mm -hmm. uh, that actually transitions into my next point on the weekly checklist. If you're going to win this game, you have to win the turnover battle. You know, I'm not expecting them to force as many turnovers as they did against Detroit. But if you can consistently get pressure on Deshaun Watson and keep him on his toes in the pocket chances are a little bit higher that you're going to get one or two of those. And those one or two turnovers, especially at a costly time in the game, could decide if it's a win or loss. So you got to win the turnover battle. The last thing on my weekly checklist this week, you got to continue to spread the offense. I mean, we know that the missing pieces are there, and we talked about it going into Detroit because, you know, you're down Mike Evans, this and that, but now is as crucial as it gets. You have to find They're out down what, even more. So yeah, you have to find out what these guys are made of, and the only way to do that is by spreading the offense, getting multiple guys involved. Because you know the Texans can spend only so much time in film study a week game planning for players. You have to expect they game plan for Rashad Perryman, maybe even Justin Watson, even though there isn't a whole lot of tape to go off of for him. You know OJ Howard and Cam Brate, they're going to be ready for those guys. I, yeah, that, that that's that's going to be the, the brunt of their game plan. It's going to be try to slow down those guys. Absolutely. So you have to get the offense spread out. You have to get guys involved. Ronald Jones, like we just said, Dario Gambuale, if it really comes down to that. You got Justin Watson. Uh, you got the other wide receiver, Spencer Schnell, who's going to be getting some action, which I'm excited to watch him. I know I called him Benny Schnell on the last episode, but Spencer Schnell from the preseason is back as well. So you look to him to get some action. But just spread the offense, keep things interesting, and that's how you keep yourself in this game. Evan, what do you have to add on the weekly checklist, my friend? So, for one, just saying, Cyril Grayson breakout game? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe um, Ishmael Hyman breakout game, maybe? Hmm? He, I mean, he had a crucial <laughs> first down last week. That was yeah, a, he did. Uh, he, did. Yeah. He, he came up and he did make that play, so that was good to see from him. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm going to – my checklist is going to – Push on the turnovers a little bit more, but a little bit more specific. Uh, you got to win the turnover battle, but also I believe that you're going to have to have no more than one turnover. Whether that's a fumble or an interception, you're going to have to have no more. You can't have multiple turnovers. You can't have two, three, four. You're not going to win. You, you're not going to win. You have to play your best complimentary football of the season, play the field position, you know, Bradley Pinion has to do his job, you know, backing him up and the field position battle and stuff People's like that. Um, I don't understand that. You don't um, get that? Did you hear the story? 
Never heard it. You, you, oh, you guys play it to me after, after, the, James, show, after the show. After the show. When James was on here, we told the whole story of why he's the people's champ. And okay, I'll, well, I'll send you the clip. All right. Well, I wasn't. I was on like vacation or something. So that's all. Uh, I'm <laughs> mad at you. Uh, so I mean, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to really play a, a just sort maybe a boring brand of football, but. I just don't think that they're going to be able to come out and throw three picks, four picks, and be able to survive those picks. Right. I, I just don't think this isn't the Colts game. If they if they have four turnovers, I think they're going to lose, and I think they're going to lose pretty handedly. So protect the football, one turnover or zero turnovers. It's what it's got to be. It's what it's got to be. And and if you do that, you put, put a lot less pressure on your defense. Yeah. You're 100% correct. This is one of those games where every turnover is going to count, just like every point on the scoreboard is going to count. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think the Buccaneers are facing an uphill battle, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But let's get some score predictions out here, and then we'll get into our next segment and wrap things up. Um, Evan, I'm going to toss it to you. What is your score prediction for this Saturday? All right, so I, I you know, this is tough. Is I, I'm not Obviously, you're not sure what to expect from the Bucs. Uh, their defense has played well, but it's been against some not great offenses. And their the receivers are really banged up on the Bucks' offensive side of the ball. I'm probably going to go 26-17 Texans win. Uh, I, I think the, the, te- the defense plays well. Um, I just don't think they play well enough. I, I don't think they get that turnover when, when they need it. Uh, don't get the, maybe they need like a big sack or something. Don't get it. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I just, I don't see how, like, I think with the Bucks, like 17 points, I just think, I don't know how much more they could put up. I think 21 is probably the max they can put up. It's just, man, they don't. You don't realize how just big of a part Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is this offense. And don't I mean, even even Scotty, yeah, exactly. Even like Scotty Miller, um, going out, like he's still depth. You know, there's a reason Ishmael Hyman and Surreal Grayson weren't anywhere. <laughs> you know, there's a reason Spencer Snow wasn't signed. Like, uh, it's just, it hurt. Hurts. It really does, and hopefully, Donovan Smith practiced uh, yesterday. I believe he's practicing again today. So hopefully, you get him back, and the offensive line can be fairly healthy. That'll be a big help. Yeah. Even though I think Josh Wells played decent, that'll be a big help to get a full healthy line back. But I just don't think the Buccaneers' offense is gonna. I think the defense is gonna give him a chance, but I just don't think the offense is gonna be able to do enough to to pull off the upset here. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, it's funny that you brought up 17 points because that's pretty much the same as my prediction as well. I've got the Buccaneers losing this one 28-17. Just kind of like what you said. I think if the Bucks find themselves behind early, they're not going to be able to dig themselves out of that hole. And I think with the missing pieces on offense, I, I don't expect them to put up 30 points. I don't even expect them to put up 24 because it, it just – I don't know. We have to see like how I said, things I, I think. Three touchdowns is the max. Twenty-one points. I yeah. think that is the max they can put up. Honestly, I unless am, I'm, I'm, unless OJ Howard and Cam Brait just, and then the running game just gets going. Like that's the only way. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So 
Unfortunately, we are both picking the Buccaneers to lose, but again, they can always prove us wrong because they have done it several thousand times this season. Do I dare go back and listen to the season prediction show? No, I do not. Um, but there are your Buccaneers predictions along with the weekly checklist and everything you need to know about the matchup this Saturday. Let's end things on a high note. Got a little surprise because I kind of decided I wanted to do it halfway through the show. Now, as you guys know, you can always let your voice be heard here on the Cannon Fire Podcast by sending us an email, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always hit us up and shout at us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can message us there, let us know what you want to talk about. But this week, we have got some more embarrassing Bucks stories. I love these, quite frankly, because they are just realistic altercations um that i can just totally see happening like i can see i mean these... i hope nobody would make it up yeah yeah right um but i can see this happening to myself because i've been in a similar boat where like there were so many times right let's say for example i was at kiki's breakfast cafe which is a uh, a little spot down here in tampa they got a few of them spread around but i was at my local neighborhood one and i saw rakeem nunez rochez eating breakfast is this a real story yeah this is a real story i was uh i was up at kiki's eating breakfast and i saw nacho with his beautiful girlfriend slash wife and i believe his mother or her mother so i didn't say anything but i was decked out in my buck stuff right so i had my bucks lanyard on my keys hanging out of my pocket i had my bucks long sleeve on because it was kind of chilly and, you know, I walked by his table maybe once or twice on the way back from the bathroom and just kind of just kind of gave him a little nod, gave him a little what's up, you know what I mean, let him know. So I don't know if he took that as, like, a threat. I, I don't I don't think he would, but I'm assuming he knew what I was referring to with all of my Bucks gear on. But I, I didn't want to bother him because I could imagine yeah. it would have ended up on this segment right here as an embarrassing Bucks story. But let's jump into it. We've got two of them this week from the same person, and that's because he sent us an email. So uh, Wait, wait, wait. Time out. I, I got a little bone to pick with you. What? what okay, alright. You had him in your presence, and you didn't invite him on the show? It, dude, he <sighs> was eating breakfast with his family. Say, you should have been like, I'll pay for your tab if you come on the show. You know what I... <laughs> so you should have said. You know what I should have done? is I, I, I wish we had the shirts then, because I would have been wearing the shirt. Oh, out. To just give him one. Yeah, oh, just like casually take drop take a picture something. with it. <laughs> casually take a picture drop with him having a shirt. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. And then just show him the back of the shirt for 15, 20 seconds so he can take it all in. By the way, if you guys want one of those kick-ass shirts, they are the perfect holiday gift. We are only six days away from Christmas, so time is winding down to get one for the holidays. But that's cool because we sell them all year long. Check them out. You can hit us up on our email and social media if you want to buy one of those. Just let us know. Red and black. XL to XL. Maybe we'll get some more sizes in the future. But anyways, let me get back on track here. Embarrassing Bucks stories. This one is from our friend Jeff in Clearwater. And it's Jeff, like my mind wants to say Geoff because it's spelled G-E-O-F-F. Um, so Jeff in Clearwater says, I have some awkward box stories that he wants to share. The first one was back at the 2007 Buccaneers Fan Fest. Me and a friend were big fans of playing Madden at the time, and I often used the Bucks against him when we played. The night prior to Fan Fest, we had been playing versus each other. I just so happened to pick him off three times in the game with a random Bucks journeyman cornerback, Sammy Davis. Let's just say I made a pretty big deal about it. 
Later on at the Fan Fest, we were in one of the long autograph lines going through one of the open autograph sessions they have. And my friends, uh, my friend standing to the left of me nudged me and said, hey, it's your boy Sammy. It's Sammy Davis walking by. So he goes, oh, hey, Sammy, what's up? And then he looked at Quincy Black sitting next to him and was like, wow, someone actually knows me in a joking manner. I then proceeded to say for some stupid reason while he was signing my Bucks mini helmet, you're awesome, man. He smiled. In Madden. You get so many picks. I don't really know why, but, but yeah, like you're really good in the game. He then looked back at me with the most deadpan face as I just stood there for a moment and just kind of awkwardly laughed. Later down the line, I see him look back at me and mumble something under his breath. I just again awkwardly smiled back and waved to him. After we were done, my buddy says to me, wow, dude, you're a dick. And uh, <laughs> he started to die laughing. He said, I'm not wrong, but uh, he doesn't know what he was thinking in that situation. That's got to suck, man. My God. Like, if you're a player who doesn't get recognized and you finally get recognized because of your good. achievements in Madden, like, I'm a big fan of you because you, you helped me win these games in Madden. <laughs> so... We have another one from our friend Jeff, and this is from training camp in 2013. So Jeff, very longtime Bucks fan. So um, this is at training camp in 2013. Levante David comes over to sign autographs, and he got his hat signed by him. As he's signing the hat, Michael Keenan comes up and stands next to him to sign autographs too. After signing my Levante hat, um, after signing my hat, Levante hands it to Michael Keenan, and he begins to sign it. Now, people that know Jeff know that he despised Michael Keenan. So when he grabbed the hat from Levante, he went like, oh no, like audibly said, oh no. And then as Keenan is signing it, he looks at him and was like, oh, did I just ruin your hat? And then I guess Jeff told Michael Keenan, yeah, kind of, but it's cool. <laughs> like he kind of laughed and handed it back to him and it was it was super super awkward um and i guess this is a two-part story so we'll wrap it up with this later on after practice had broken up he really wanted to get an autograph from jeff demps uh don't ask why he just thought he was awesome in college not a gators fan go bulls but yeah i thought he was good and not used correctly but that's another story I waited for him to go over to the far side to greet what appeared to be his parents over off the fence in short distance. I yelled out, yo, Jeff, like three times, and he looked really shocked to see someone who knew who he was. He walked over, and I told him how big a fan I was of his, and I hoped that we had used him in space in the game plan. And he kind of laughed and said, you're the first person in Tampa to ask me for an autograph. And I was like, wow, really? You know, you would think Gator fans would recognize you. And he kind of laughed and just said, yeah, you would think so. And just as I go to walk away, a random fan comes jogging past me and yells out, Hey, Mike James, will you sign this helmet? I looked at Jeff, and he looked at me, and we started laughing. Jeff went on to say that who he was, and the guy was like, Oh, well, do you play? And you could tell he was more annoyed as anything as he signed the other guy's helmet. So there are your embarrassing buck stories this week. Some interesting thank altercations. You yeah, thank you, Jeff, for sending us an email. And like we said, guys, if you have your very own embarrassing buck stories or anything else you want to say on the show, send us an email, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. We will always get around to your interesting buccaneer stories. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video on YouTube and, of course, bucksreport.com. You can follow the show on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter 
All of those are a Cannon Fire podcast. It is your number one source to get all the latest updates on the show. So if anything happens, we'll let you know that way. That's the best way to do it. Also, you can get in contact with us over there to buy some pretty awesome t-shirts, courtesy of our friends at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter, at Redicus, and then you can follow my co-host, Mr. Bucks Football Evan on Instagram and Twitter, at BucksWave, and Twitter, at EvanNFL. He probably won't follow you back, because he didn't follow me back for a long time, but it is what it is. We've already, uh, we've already talked about that and hashed things over, so no hard feelings, but I'm going to bring it up every now and again. But make sure you go follow him over there. Now, I brought up our sponsors at Pinecrest Printing and Signs, so it is the perfect time to let you guys know about them and what they do. So, if you have an image for your business, Pinecrest Printing and Signs is going to make sure they get you covered in more ways than one. RJ and his experienced staff have been helping the Tampa Bay business community since 2001. Can you believe that? And they do everything. They do the beautiful apparel that you can see on your screen right now on YouTube. You can start smaller. You can do stickers, business cards, work it up to banners, things like that. Really get into the apparel game as well because you can see we've got the red and black t-shirts. They do any color, any style of shirt as well. If you want a polo, they got you covered. If you want a hat, they can do it. If you want a beanie, they're on top of it. These guys are the best in the business in what they do, and what they do is pretty damn nice. So if you have an image for your business or something that you're really rolling for, make sure you give them a call, 813-684-5444, or you can check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. Before we get out of here as well, just a quick announcement. This is the last episode of CFP with production quality worth a damn. Um, so so the next two for weeks now, for yeah. the holiday, I will be headed up to beautiful Johnson City, Tennessee, spending some time with my family up there. So we will continue to do the Cannon Fire podcast. It just won't be from my home studio. So uh, be prepared for some slight changes, but we are still going to be doing our best to deliver you some top-notch Bunkaneers content. So keep a lookout for that. But thank you so much for listening to the show. We appreciate all of your support throughout the season, and we'll get more sappy after the last game of the year. Evan, any last words before we wrap up and get out of here, my friend? Not really. Just um, hope everybody listening to this has a happy holiday. And, uh, you know, just uh, really hope that uh, the Bucks can sort of make your, your holiday a little bit better. Because <laughs> um, I know... You know, the the past few times I think around Christmas time they haven't won, so <laughs> we'll see if that if that changes. But uh, like I said, if uh, if we don't talk to you guys between now and Christmas, just hope you guys have a happy holiday or whatever you may celebrate. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Absolutely, thank you guys so much for listening. I am Red Matthew signing off for Evan Wanish, and as always, go Bucks. We'll talk to you next week after the game. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.